Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 18 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since eighth grade, Stephen. Hello. <laughs> Nailed it. So today, <laughs> we're talking about... Oh my god, I almost said that. <laughs> okay. We were talking about appearance, smell, taste, mouthfeel, and overall rating and scoring metrics, and kind of just like note-taking metrics. So we will cover that. But of course, before we get to any of those topics, we have to do the best part of the podcast, which is drinking beer. My favorite. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, too, because, you know, like every episode we do this drinking beer segment and like we basically kind of do what we're going to talk about today. You know, we talk about our beer and describe it and stuff, but uh, it'll be kind of nice to sort of lengthen that out to a full episode and just kind of talk about why we do all those things and how we talk about beer. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. how to go full beer snob. <laughs> yeah, whoa. Once you do this, yeah, you're definitely a snob. <laughs> just start talking about mouthfeel. <laughs> it's no hope for you. Uh, you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. All right, well, I'll introduce mine, give some nose notes, and then I'll pass it to Steven to introduce his beer. Today, I'm drinking Neon Rainbows from Omegon, and this is part of their OMG series, which I'm not 100% familiar with, um, but this is a New England-style IPA, and it's double dry hopped, and it lists five different hops in here. It says it has Citra, Centennial, Simcoe, Mosaic, and Topaz, which I never even heard. We haven't heard of Topaz before. Yeah, Topaz was a new one for me. But we looked it up. <laughs> yeah, Australian hop with flavors of pine, resin, clementine, oranges, and what else light. did I say? Light. Oh, light, lychee, which I don't know what that tastes like. <laughs> It's in isolation. I gotta test that one. You gotta pour yourself a huge glass of lychee juice, lychee juice. <laughs> in front of your wife to mortify her. I don't even know if they make lychee juice. <laughs> Talking about going full beer snob. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I'm gonna crack this open. Give it a pour. Folks at home can't see this, but Steven can. This is my favorite part, watching you pour the beer. <laughs> and this can is crazy. It's like It's called Neon Rainbows, and there are quite a number of rainbows on the can. So this is Steven's favorite color. It's that mm. yellowish, orangish hue, slightly opaque, with a nice cr- creamy, foamy white head that has a lot of staying power. And then if I give it a swirl, it doesn't really lace on the side of the glass. So, Mm-mm. But we will give some nose notes here. It's very tropical. I don't think I smell lychee, but I suppose you smell, <laughs> but I do smell like orange, mango, pineapple, and I do get that those pine notes. So yeah, I kind of like what you'd expect in an IPA. So that's all I'm getting so far, but I'll continue smelling and tasting and be back to you with those tasting notes. What are you drinking today, Steven? Okay, awesome. Well, I got hooked up by a buddy from work, as always, and I am drinking Trillium's Eldorado Dry Hopped Fort Point Pale Ale. So, I need... Uh, I, yeah, is, you your work, some... is your work hiring? <laughs> I'm moving to Texas. <laughs> I got some good hookups. I need some friends like these. Yeah. This has been Fort Point Pale Ale. Like the original is, well, is still technically a white whale for me because this is a, a different version. But this is a white whale beer. This is a very, very highly rated beer. The Fort Point Pale Ale is usually second or third rated American Pale Ale on Beer Advocate usually behind zombie dust and pseudo sue they're all kind of right there in the top three nice but yeah so this is eldorado dry hopped which should bring a little bit of earth qualities to it maybe some melon that's kind of the hot profile of eldorado i think when it comes down to it the american pale ale style is easily my favorite style like if i see that on a tap list at a new brewery that's what i'm drinking that's kind of my like cheese pizza <laughs> that's your go-to you know right yeah burn. yeah 
Yeah. I mean, obviously, the logger is kind of one of those things where it's like if you do that good, you know what else? You know, you probably do some other stuff good. But I kind of feel the same way about pale ale because it's a it's like your early hop style. It's like your sort of the low end. So can you make a flavorful beer that's not super high in alcohol or um, yeah, overly bitter or hoppy? Yeah. And, and then, if you can do a good one of those, it's probably a good sign for what else you can make. Yeah. And the American pale ale tends to be a little bit more malty too. So it's it's an a good way to see if they can balance their malts and hops. So. Mm, interesting. All right, so this has no head on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, very, very effervescent. Kind of a milky-looking orange color. A little hazy. It's not super overwhelming on the nose, really anything. Like a slight hint of citrus. A little bit of melon rind. And that's it. It's very light, like a like a sort of a coconutty lime aroma, but it's very, very, very subtle. All the aromas are very subtle. It sounds interesting. Yeah. should be interesting to see where this goes with the, the taste profile. All right. Perfect. Well, I will go ahead and give some of my tasting notes. So it has a multi entrance. And then I get, it's kind of sweet, like orange, mango, pineapple. And then it transitions into like d- that dank pine. But it's super, super subtle. Almost too subtle. Um, you don't really notice it. But then there is like a nice aftertaste of orange peel. And then overall, I'd say the mouthfeel is a, it's a touch like oily. And it does like it is a bit dry at the end as well. It's super really easy to drink. So I, I think maybe that's what they're kind of going for. Because it does not say on the back that it's unfiltered, double dry hopped, and gone too soon. <laughs> so I definitely get the drinkability. Um, it's good. I like it. It's not blowing me away, but... It's not bad. How is that trillium? All right. So I think I have some okay notes on it. It's very different. It's very, very earthy. Earthy, vegetal, a little dank. I would say the only like strong fruit flavor I'm getting out of this would be melon, like melon rind. But that's it. Like other, Otherwise, it's very, very grassy, vegetal, uh, a little bit of pine maybe uh sort of in the bitterness like that resiny pine in the finish so it's actually uh, finishing more bitter than i thought it would for like a hazy pale ale as far as the malt side goes there is a kind of a nice caramel sweetness to the beer as well um that is balancing the earthiness pretty well i'm kind of with you this is not blowing me away either i mean it's good but it's different yeah I'm um, jealous. I really want to try it because just you're saying melon is like really intriguing me. Yeah. And like I said, it's like I don't think I could pick out any other fruit flavor. You know, it, like looking at the beer, you think like, oh, I'm going to get some uh, tropical aromas or flavors out of that. But mm. it's nothing like that. It's very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. It almost it kind of it's the way you're describing it. Well, sans the melon. It does kind of just remind me of like more like West Coast IPAs where it's a lot more of the vegetal like dank hop flavors and less of the like fruity um, tropical hop flavors. Yeah. And I I really like those styles, too. So I think I would like that one. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see the uh, how the strata dry hopped because I also have that one. So it'll be interesting to see how the strata dry hopped version plays out. Uh, Maybe that will end up being a little bit more fruity. Mm, Yeah. I do like when they do the they do the different dry hops. It's kind of cool because it's a good way to see the difference between the the hops and kind of the flavors they impart. Yep. All right, cool. So I think I'm not gonna give this one a thumbs up. I think I think I like it, but I don't know if I would like buy it again if I saw it in the store. Yeah, I don't know if I would drink this again. This version. Can we give a thumb sideways? I mean, uh, <laughs> it's Trillium. It's you know. It's a good beer. I can tell it's a yeah. good beer. It's a good quality beer. Uh, and definitely, like, the style with the balance of the malt and hops is good. It's well done. It's interesting. It's interesting the way they really leaned into those earthy flavors. All right, cool. Well, we'll get, you'll have to drink the other one and report back to us. Not all beers are pineapple juice bombs, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Despite what you taste these days. All right, cool. So those were our drinking beers. And I know we have beer news that is, it's funny because, well, I'll let you share and then we can reminisce about it. Well, first off, this is my kind of beer news because <laughs> I love baseball. Things. Yeah. Go National League, although I think they got beat tonight in the All-Star game. Uh, all right. So the news came out today. Uh, they ranked the, well, they ranked all the 
Major League Baseball stadiums, 30 to 1, on how good is their craft beer selection. So top five, I'll go through the top five real quick, because five is a little bit of a um, surprise. Five is Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, uh, which is kind of interesting. I, I, I think they just have a, a lot of beers. You know, it's not really, it doesn't come to the forefront of the mind when you're thinking like craft beer cities, but they just have tons of selection, a bunch of beers on tap. Number four, very dear, near and dear to my heart, is Oracle Park in San Francisco, the oh, home yes. of the San Francisco Giants, <laughs> which isn't really any surprise. You have Anchor Brewing, you have Russian River Brewing, you have Lagunitas, you have Temescal Brewing, 21st Amendment, Drake's, so many in the in the Bay Area, so many good yeah. beers. Um, so having those available at the ballpark is ridiculous. Uh, number three is Chicago White Sox, guaranteed rate field, um, which is not really surprising either. Chicago, again, not one that really jumps out, but like if you've ever been to Chicago, you know it's a great beer town. Tons of good beers coming out of Chicago. Revolution Brewing. I think you had something, right? Death by Cherries? Wasn't yeah. that uh, Revolution Brewing? There yeah, you go. So, and I really liked it, too. Yeah, you can get that at, uh, at the Chicago White Sox field so it's pretty cool number two not a big surprise at all because i've been there and i know peckup park in san diego another great amazing beer town you're gonna get ballast point stone modern times so many good beers in san diego and they are all available at Peco park they even have one called they have a couple like padre specific beers like ballast, oh, point, cool. ballast point has one called swinging fryer and uh, Ale Smith has one called 394 Pale Ale, which is uh, named after Tony Gwynn's um, best batting average for the season. 394. <laughs> That's a nice little callback there. One of the best hitters of all time. So, uh, yeah. Okay. And then number one is drumroll. <laughs> T-Mobile Park in Seattle. Where we went. See, aren't you so glad I took you there? Yeah, I'm glad I came. So glad I opened your eyes to the world fan. of <laughs> craft beer in the Major League Baseball Park. Yeah, so if you think about it, that's where they grow all the hops. The Pacific Northwest. Uh, they've got Fremont, Elysian, Balebreaker, Rubens, Freem Family Brewers. So many. And they had um, like so many choices when we were kind of walking around. And looking at all the options at the different sellers, they weren't all on tap. A lot of them were cans, but yeah. And there's actually one of the big, like one what raised the score at Seattle was that you could get the beers in cans. Oh. And that it was much cheaper. Oh, I see. Right, so you're paying like for five dollars for a can, which like in terms of getting beer at a baseball park, that's incredible. You know, whereas yeah, if you want so. a, a draft Coors, it's twelve bucks. <laughs> Yeah. So if you don't mind drinking out of a can, then no, that makes way sense. Cheaper. The combination of like the selection and the affordability. Yeah, and they just had so many cans. It was cool because you could just see like a whole wall in a cool, basically like in a fridge, and just all nice craft beers. You could pick, have your pick. It's pretty awesome. It even says too that there's a stand right behind home plate. That offers rare barrel aged and specialty beers. Oh, I wish so I'm we had known that. I'm a little sad that we missed that. Yeah. Yeah, we should have went. Dang. All right, next time. Yeah. So anyway, there's your top five Major League Baseball Park craft beer selections. Uh, I didn't see who was worst. Let me see. Oh, Yankee Stadium. What? Dude, They're the worst. Pull it together, man. <laughs> they are notorious. The, the article says they are notorious for having the worst beer selection in all of Major League Baseball. And there's, there's got to be a ton of good beer in New York. It says, good luck finding the few craft beers that they have. For the most part, it's overpriced macro brews as far as the eye can see. Dang. That's a bummer. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> End quote. Yeah. Oh, and Dodger Stadium is 29. That makes me so happy. <laughs> Overpriced macro brews. That's your that's your downfall right there. I don't know much about baseball, but I know the Yankees are really good. So I don't. Their beer selection isn't stopping. <laughs> 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 oh, their ability to win games. <laughs> that's really funny. Very yep. cool. Well, now I can say I drink. I drink beer in the the top rated park for beer in the nation. Sounds yep. pretty. All right, so you want to drop? You're welcome. 
<laughs> All because you got me to go to that baseball game. <laughs> so uh, you want to jump into the main topic? Let's do it. Okay, so a little aside from this. So do you remember when I, used to ha- I talked about the notebook? And I would take mm-hmm. all my, I for so for a while I put all my beer notes in a moleskin journal. This is very very nerdy. And I followed this uh, metric basically. So it's appearance, and we'll go into each of these, but the the categories are appearance, smell, taste, mouthfeel, and then overall. So I'd actually write a s t m o in my little journal, and then I'd fill them out. Um, I did actually back away from that. I kind of felt like I was taking too much notes. But now, probably after we do this episode, I'll feel like I want to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's and a good way do... to just sort of break it down and like, yeah. organize your thoughts. And okay, then you, so... it like will become natural. That's the thing. It, like, it becomes natural. The natural flow of you describing a beer will essentially follow this model. It's just good to like do it at first. It's a good exercise. Yes. And the one thing I will say, the positive side of taking notes is... Like, if you don't really take notes, you drink a lot of beers, and you're like, oh, I like that one, I didn't like that one. And maybe you're keeping track of that, like, with us, you know, our little thumbs-up, thumbs-down system. But you don't really remember, like, why you liked it. So if you do take notes, sometimes it's kind of fun to look back and see, like, why you like things. Um, and then that might – it just helps you, like, in the future um, kind of identifying, like, what you actually like about beer. So then you can seek more beers of that style. So it is cool to take this level of notes. Um, so we'll go through them all because there's some subcategories. So, Stephen, do you want to start us on appearance and bring us through the subcategories and kind of tell us how we would talk about the appearance of a beer? Sure. And one of the things, too, I'll mention uh, at the beginning, especially when I was making these notes, uh, it also was nice. I have a pretty nice little journal, too, that has like each page is set up. It's like specifically a beer tasting journal so each page has a whole kind of setup so you can just kind of circle things but one of the main things was writing down any description of the beer you have like of how it's brewed especially like what hops you're using or even if it says what grain bill you know malts and stuff that way uh, it's another way to look back and go like oh i kind of like i tend to like beers with citra hops or i tend to like beers with galaxy hops or something or uh oh yeah i like lighter malts that kind of thing so it gives also gives you a good idea of being able to look back and just just try to write as much about the beer as you can find any about how it's brewed any info you have about that yeah i like that i've never done that but that especially like talking about like yeah identifying like maybe you, suddenly you realize when you go back through and analyze what you liked like oh you find out oh i really like this one hop yeah that's cool because i couldn't really tell you i know you love citra but i couldn't tell you like, along with the rest of the world <laughs> but i don't know i don't really have a favorite but maybe if i started keeping that level of detail i could back i will say i think mosaic is um mosaic and galaxy have sort of dethroned citra in my mind yeah mosaic is much more complex more berry flavors more berry and pine so you know as your taste change too your favorite hop changes so oh yeah sure but yeah so the first category is appearance Uh, and we do this a lot when we taste our beers you pour out the beer and your subcategories are going to be color clarity head and glassware so certainly if you're going full beer snob you want to make a note of what kind of glass you poured the beer into just because if you technically if you want to taste the beer the same exact way again you gotta pour it into the same glass um so for consistency it's just good to make a note of what glassware you're using especially if you're if you're making a official review on like beer advocate or something it's just good for all the other people who are looking at those reviews to see what glass you to know what glass you were pouring it into so note the glassware note the head the main things about the head are just sort of the tightness of the bubbles the creaminess how long it stays Um, so are they big bubbles little bubbles how long does the head retain there and then if you want you can kind of tilt the glass back and forth and you, you may see what's called lacing which is just the head sort of sticking to the side of the glass and running down slowly so you can note whether there's lacing or not then Clarity. You can always hold the beer up and put um, like a white piece of paper with writing behind it and see if you can even see the writing behind. And then even more clear, clear if you can actually read the writing behind the beer. Some of your descriptor words are going to be hazy, cloudy, thick, and then color, of course. So, of course, these days you can get any color in beer. 
I've had green beers, pink beers, green, blue. <laughs> yep. A blue raspberry beer that was green, which I guess is probably from the natural yellow color mixed with the blue. Oh, but, interesting. Yeah. You can get purple from all the fruits they're adding and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's good to take note. That's an, that's one that's hard too, where you like, sometimes it like you have to expand your vocabulary <laughs> a little bit. If you feel like you're calling everything orange, <laughs> Yeah, you got to get into the, you got to be like, oh, it looks like straw or. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Get your like <laughs> Crayola crayons out and check all the orange colors. And or go to like a, go to a paint store and see all the, oh, like, yeah, right, yeah, the creative words. <laughs> Eggshell. Yeah, like early spring sunrise or something like that. Totally. <laughs> but yeah, so that's your general appearance and this one it's kind of funny because if you if you read about like beer descriptions and how to describe beers uh appearance for a long time took a back seat to everything else um because it wasn't deemed that important it's like mm-hmm. who cares what it looks like what does it taste like when you put it in the mouth what does it smell like those are the more important uh that's the more important sensory information but really if you think about it they're all equally important um, because especially when you're very familiar with different styles and what those styles look like, it's kind of like, you know, this new trend. I don't know if it's a full trend, but uh, a few breweries are making these white stouts. And so you're picking up a beer that looks like a lager, honestly, and you drink it and it's got all these like coffee and chocolate flavors to it, you know. So that's going to kind of it just doesn't match what you would expect. So lots of times from the color, you can derive like what like what you think you might taste before you even put it up to your mouth. So um, and then you can kind of even ascertain what like it may feel like or how thick it's going to be, that kind of thing. So um, it's just a good way to involve all your senses into the tasting experience of the beer. Yeah, I know this is one I, when I was taking notes, I would kind of shortcut on. But even, like, the consistency and, like, laciness of the head, I know you can almost sometimes reverse engineer some of the grain bill and stuff like that based on the characteristics. Now, I can't do that, but I know it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Even this beer that I'm drinking tonight very much looks like a tropical hazy IPA. But you can, like, you can't always assume that. But it's interesting because it's it is really blowing my mind as I drink this how vegetal it is. <laughs> yeah, it's tricking you. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, I'll tackle our next category, and that's smell. And there are some subcategories here. This isn't too complicated. Obviously, it's what you smell, but there are some interesting things about. Uh, and there's some overlap too with the Scotch universe because I do like single malt Scotch. But smell and taste. Now, they do overlap a lot. A lot of what's happening when you're tasting is you're actually smelling. But what's always been fascinating to me, and this is true of beer, it's also true of scotch, is sometimes the head, the aroma of the beer can be so amazing. It's like this amazing, wonderful experience. It's ultra complex. You're smelling all these great things. And you get so excited to taste it. And then you taste it, and it's like (laughs) horribly disappointing. So there are beers that, you know, the smelling them is like almost the greatest pleasure and then tasting them is not the best. It can it can be the case that the taste really follows the smell. It can also be the case that the smell is glorious and the taste is just nothing. It can also be the case where you go to smell and you, you're picking up almost nothing, but it almost shouldn't discourage you because then when you taste it, it might be this amazing cascade of flavors. So while it seems like they should always be linked, they're not always linked, which is pretty interesting. So it's fun to kind of pay attention, and but also not get your expectations built up too high or too low based on what you smell. But the subcategories here are fruity, floral, vegetal, spice, heat-induced, which means does it smell like smoky or roasty, some sort of like char, and then biological, which I had to clarify with Stephen in the pre-notes <laughs> to the show. <laughs> but, but this might be cool. Well, you can elaborate on it, Stephen, but you were saying it's like some of your off flavors sometimes, like butter. Yeah, your diacetyl or, butter. Yeah. Or your like cheesy funky smells that may be coming from a uh, bacterial infection or like a, um uh, sometimes they describe it as like cardboard or wet paper uh, some of those flavors that drive in and even some of those can 
be derived from yeast and be expected in the beer, you know, like that horse blankety smell, that kind of thing. Yeah. And all these might not be present in every beer. Like what you're going to find if you start to take notes like this is that certain beers have certain smell characteristics that are common throughout them. Like when we're describing these, you know, dry hopped New England style IPAs, you're going to expect to get a lot of these tropical fruit flavors in the nose so you're gonna in you're not, but you might not be getting any spice or like that because there's probably spice not present but then if you're smelling something that's like a farmhouse you might get some funky <laughs> some funky nose some some of these spice or um by a musty smell yeah yeah so like they're not all going to be present all the time and you kind of get to so you start to map it out in your mind like what you're kind of expecting to smell but then it is also fun when you kind of something has some nose elements that you weren't expecting so kind of like today when you were describing the melon like i wasn't really expecting you to say that so it got me really intrigued when you're like melon i was like oh melon huh, what's going on there so yeah that's basically it for smell i think unless you have anything to add steven no no that's good so i will move on to the taste which i mean we can both tackle this because this is kind of the the meat of the whole thing um you're actually putting the beer in your mouth um <laughs> This is like the first this category is, that no, like a normal person would care about. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like they've finished their beer by now. And you're still like and looking at the like color. Smelling it. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, like, dude, just drink the beer. <laughs> I think I'll post, uh, I'm going to post a picture on Instagram of me smelling my parabola at Kodo Brewing. And it was really great too, because I like smelled it and was looking at it. And then I, like, put it down on the table to, like, take my picture of it <laughs> for Instagram, of course. <laughs> Got to take pictures for the gram. Like, the waitress was, like, walking by, and then she realized, like, I was taking a picture, and she, like, jumped out of the way, like, oh, don't let me don't let me ruin your picture. I was oh like, my gosh. <laughs> dang it. You're not I'm only so nerd, stupid right now. You're a nerd and you're obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, totally. But yeah, when I was smelling it, my wife was like, give me the camera, let me take a picture and show the world how snobby you are. She's so supportive. Yes, very. (laughs) But yeah, so it's nice to finally get to the actual tasting of the beer. In some ways, I kind of like to build up to it. Like That's what I like about the the looking at it and smelling it. It's like all going to play into this like final culmination of like what does this beer taste like so i like that of course like i said i'm a beer snob but just i love that experience like being able to take i mean i think a lot of people can relate to this with food you know smell it baking in the oven comes out like the cheese is dripping you know like there's so many aromatic and visual components to eating it's the same thing you know it's just like are you enjoying good food or are you enjoying good beer like it's the same and and you know i think people too realize wine is the same way and and whiskey you know there's people who enjoy all those like complexities of the flavor as well as the you know looking at it, the color and the, the smells so well it's one of the main things that like if you go to a quote-unquote nice restaurant the plating and the presentation is so important because yeah it's part of the meal like it's supposed to you're paying a lot for really good food you want every aspect of it to impress you which includes like how it looks on the plate where i don't know yeah it's kind of like i've done olive oil tasting have you ever done that no it's awesome yeah so it's incredible to like hold up a uh you know different olive oils from like different regions or areas of the world and to like smell them and taste them some smell like tomato vine some smell like banana whoa um yeah it's incredible like you don't even you think like oh olive oil is olive oil but it's it's not it really is incredible to smell and taste different varietals of olive oil it's really cool so anyway that's i'll have to i'll try that someday yeah do it actually go to um it's on the um reservation there mm-hmm. where like cash creek is yeah it's a, i can't think of the name but Go check it out. You can do a tasting. They have okay. olive oil. They grow olives there. Yeah, do it. You, you got to spit it out though, right? No, you swallow it. Oh, wow. How much some olive oil am I going to drink? Yeah, some people spit it out. 
but <laughs> I can just swallow it. I've seen it both ways, but I just swallow it. It's good. I, think I'm, the, I am the spitter. Some people can't handle like <laughs> just swallowing straight just olive swallow oil. Straight olive oil. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not that bad. It's kind of part of the experience. I like it. I like that burn. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways. Okay. So taste. <laughs> not of olive oil, of beer. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of four components to like what's gonna flavor the beer: uh, your malt, your hops, your yeast, and your alcohol. So those are kind of like the four things that are going to give some sort of flavor. Now, obviously, the malt and the hops are sort of your big one because there's so much range in what they can impart, right? So all the way ranging from like a light pilsner malt in a macro lager means like imparting very very little flavor a little like maybe bread characteristics to the beer but that's it and you know all the way the range of like coffee and toffee and smoke sort of roasted burnt flavors um molasses even and that sort of dark sugary flavors so there's a huge range and then of course you have wheat you have rye you have corn you have all these other um you know, even just straight honeys and sugars added in the grain bill that can all play into how the beer tastes. Um, and there's just such a wide range of flavors that can come from that. That's going to be your start of where, like, a lot of the flavors are coming. And what you'll see, too, in styles these days is where they just try to take that out of the equation a little bit. Like, these very light malts in these New England IPAs, and they just to trying to showcase the hot flavors so a lot of times there's like a balance and there's also sometimes they like pull back of one flavor to let some other flavor shine interesting um and then the other side of that is the hoppiness again and you know i've talked about this before with like the vast array of flavors that can come from hops all the way from like what i'm drinking tonight vegetal pine you know oak and wood dank flavors uh all the way over to your pineapple coconut mango strawberry blueberry orange lime lemon so like every citrus fruit you can think of grapefruit any berry you can really think of and lychee and lychee and gooseberry (laughs) remember don't forget crushed gooseberry oh right <laughs> and uh not smashed crushed no no crushed yeah lightly crushed <laughs> can't over crush the gooseberry because of course ruins him and then you know not just those two sides but also herbal and spicy lavender mint uh pepper you know like so from this one plant you know different varietals of that plant you can get so many different flavors imparted and then when you add them right mm, true i always think of music as an analogy, I mean, how many notes are there? 12 notes total, different octaves, but the same 12 notes played over and over again. And like, how many songs are there in the world? Like, unlimited, basically. Unlimited. And yeah. it's just some combination of those chords and notes put into different order. Yeah, and, that makes a lot of sense. And so, if you think about like, oh, like how many different combinations of hops can there really be, or how many beers can you really make that are different? But it's basically unlimited. Because you can add the hops at different times. You can ferment the beers at different temperatures. So it really is. And that's, I think, the beauty of what I found with like finding really good beers. And, you know, they have you have these world-renowned breweries like Russian River and Toppling Goliath. And these brewers that, like, are synonymous with amazing IPAs. Trillium, Treehouse. You wonder, like, are they that much better? You know, because they're just making beer. So is everyone else. But I think... When it comes down to it, it's like they understand, they've found a way, they have a brew process where they can unlock flavors from the yeast, from the hops, from the malts, balance them well, and that's what makes you great. So that's the beauty in tasting craft beer and tasting the hoppiness and the the hop flavors is like, how did they unlock them? Like, how did they balance them? What did they pull out of those hops? Usually it leaves me just like, how do they do this? <laughs> how, do, how do they perform this magic? Well, and it takes a while to appreciate that almost in any hobby. There's usually such a range of quality. And if I almost feel like in a lot of things, if you're exposed to something of really high quality too early, a lot of it's lost on you. 
Um, and then if you continue with the hobby, even if you started at the top end, which I don't recommend, I think you always want to start, especially in beer, like just start start with simplicity and things that are like luckily beer is pretty approachable. There's not anything that's like insanely expensive, but and just slowly work your way up. And eventually you will start to realize like, oh wow. No, this is really good. Like <laughs> these places are making insane beers, but like it, the difference can be subtle. Um, it can be lost on you because I think if you give anyone a really good beer, like they'll say, "Oh wow, it's it's like really drinkable." I think that's kind of like the default. Like it goes down smoothly, but um, but maybe they don't. They're but they're, I well even for me, I know I I was you know you're missing a lot of like what's happening. Um, but the more beers you drink, the more you start to discern the differences and the subtle nuances that are being displayed. So, yeah, totally. Yeah, there's definitely there's a reason that people have make podcasts about beer because <laughs> <laughs> there's some really really good ones, and it's it's incredible what they do. You know, it was really funny. I went to the store the other day, and uh, we like I'm a huge Coke Zero fan. Love Coke Zero, and uh, I just picked up the grocery store brand Zero Cola, and it's fine. I've had it before. Like I don't I don't really care. Yeah, it was super cheap, but it was really funny because I've been drinking. Actually, I've been drinking Pepsi Zero for a little while um, just because that's what my wife bought last time. But it was really funny to drink my first like grocery store brand Zero Cola. And I was like, oh, yeah, this <laughs> isn't that good. <laughs> that's like, hilarious. And now like I've been drinking it for a couple weeks and I'm like, yeah, it's fine. You know, like yeah, it's really funny. how you, Yeah, yeah, I acclimated. But it was funny to see. To be able to really see the difference, the drastic difference going like straight from one to the other. Yeah. And then, you know, kind of getting used to it. So that's why I love sort of that's why I love side by side tastings and um, that kind of thing. Because when you when you do and and like you said, too, sometimes you just drink a beer and you're like, oh, like this is different. Like you can just tell. And it's not even that you're doing it necessarily right there side by side with something else but it's just that you it you can tell that there's quality in there so um a quick aside only because you mentioned coke zero do you know (laughs) there's an there's a new soda in the zero family dr pepper zero it's unbelievably good dude i even that one took my wife because she's a huge dr pepper fan yeah took her a little while oh there's definitely a difference like yeah it took her a while to, to come fully on board but in the world of zeros, Dr. Pepper is king, dude. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We're betraying our age. <laughs> can't drink the we can't drink the sugar soda. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah, remember when we used to drink real Coke? <sighs> I can't even imagine, honestly. I know. To be young. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well we're fully off track. <laughs> oh, I added um, one to taste. Cause um oh. Did you cover? Oh, no, we're on yeast. Oh, yeah, we're like, it's taking us so long to get through this. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeast. Uh, some people, this is kind of a forgotten thing sometimes. And I guess we could like sort of backslash bacteria too on this because um, with sour beers, especially kettle souring, um, the bacteria played a role in souring the beer at first. Uh, and then it can also, like in lambics and stuff like we talked about, it can play into the, the full flavor of the beer too as well active bacteria but yeah yeast uh, is going to give you the main things are going to be esters which are going to be sort of fruity banana clove flavors think of like your german hefeweizen showcasing ester flavors those are the number one flavors in that beer uh, are going to be banana and cloves um, but those are all going to be play into even your favorite new england ipa especially the juicy tropical ones it's just a backbone it's just a fruity backbone to those hop flavors and you know also fruit adjuncts that they add these days but yeah so you're going to get sort of tropical fruity even bubble gum if you get bubble gum in an ipa that's not necessarily there are some hops with bubble gum flavor profiles but it will also be um from the yeast as well and uh and then of course you can get the funky the funky the musty the bretonomyus uh funky strains that barnyard funk <laughs> i don't that's like the one flavor profile in beer i don't like yeah i'm still lo- i'm looking for my gateway farmhouse ale i haven't found it yet i have a brewery pretty close to me it's called hedgehog brewery it's pretty new 
I got to go check it out because they brew a lot of farmhouse stuff and okay. it's getting good reviews. So I want to go check it out. Fair Maybe enough. it's getting good reviews from people who already like farmhouse. I know. Beers, but we'll, we'll see. I really want to appreciate that style. It's on the bucket list. We will. We will. And then I added, I asked Steven because we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. What about, because I like stouts with like vanilla and cinnamon. So what about that? Where does that fall into taste? Yeah, and it's kind of funny because they didn't, like, in the official beer review um, profiles, they don't really leave room for the adjuncts. But um, And I guess maybe it's just sort of assumed that if they throw those extra things into the beer that you're probably going to taste them. <laughs> that's, the, that's the idea. <laughs> that, that's the, the hope, I would think. Yeah. Um, so definitely adjuncts. And, um, you know, I've had a blueberry lemon sour ale. This is like early on before we started the podcast, I was like kind of considering doing like a YouTube channel where I reviewed beers. And mm-hmm. it was really funny because I poured this one out. I was like doing a recording a video and I poured this one out and I drank it. And I was like, well, I'm getting blueberry <laughs> and lemon. And that's what I'm getting. You know, it's like eh. <laughs> there's nothing else to get. That's what yeah. they wanted you to get. That's what they put in the beer. You know? <laughs> that's what you get. Uh, so I was like, well, that video was lame. then you realize you called me and you're like you gotta do a podcast yeah (laughs) save me please save me from myself jason (laughs) okay so so, anyway yeah so the adjuncts hopefully those flavors come in okay as as they are supposed to and the last one no this is not the last one second to last one is no 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 the last uh flavor oh is alcohol oh right i'm sorry we're skipping Uh, that okay and that's yeah, you let me cover that one because um, I'm picky about this. Me too. So I understand. I think when I read reviews, some people like when a uh, uh, beer that has a really high ABV kind of flaunts its booziness and its heat. And I hate that. Like, I don't want to be reminded that I'm drinking a very strong beer. In rare circumstances, I think I don't mind it. But what always impresses me is if a beer is very, very strong and you don't notice the alcohol at all. I'm always like, oh, man, the people that made this are like wizards. Like, how did they pull this off? So what I found, I think, more specifically is that I do not like it in my IPAs. Mm. I don't like an alcohol burn in my, you know, even like a triple IPA. I don't like it. I mean, I've had enough triple IPAs that hid the alcohol that I don't like i don't want to drink one that doesn't hide it yeah i just don't i don't like how it melds the flavors but i can tell that some people do but like you know like in that parabola that i tasted it was there was definitely an alcohol burn to that but i think in stouts it seems to like be more appropriate i would agree with that i think it is more appropriate in stouts and it's especially more- like a whiskey barrel aged mm-hmm. thing like you're gonna get notes of the whiskey and the whiskey alcohol it's almost nice. To I'm okay with that. Heat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's kind of uh, depends on the style. But I'm with you on the IPA. I don't. I don't want a flash of heat or alcohol in there. Don't like it. No, boozy IPAs just don't uh, don't do it for me. And then you get to that like his last two sips of the glass, and it's like really and it's, strong it's and warm. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. No dice. But yeah, I, I do think there are people that like that. No, there are. Yeah. No, that's fine. We you like whatever you like. It's totally okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Now we can go to mouthfeel. Well, actually, let's do one oh, more thing. Oh, we can't. Let's do one more thing. Okay. Uh, I wanted to talk just briefly about retro olfaction. Oh. Throw out a fancy word. Fancy. You have to um, define that for me and the and the listener. <laughs> so this is a thing that again, if you want to go full beer snob, full full beer snob, this is like double full beer snob. You can do a thing what's called retro olfaction. I don't totally know exactly the science of all this, but you can kind of, there's like separate olfactory areas in your brain. You can activate those with like a secondary tasting. And basically it's tasting what you taste as you exhale. It's a lot of what you you taste initially is as you inhale. So the practice of retro olfaction is done by holding your nose, taking a decent sip of your beer. Oh, Jason's going to do it. Take a sip of your beer, swish it around, and then swallow, but as you, but exhale as you swallow. Try to exhale. Oh, let go of your nose and swallow. And see if any flavor comes rushing in. Oranges and tangerines. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to try it with mine, actually. You look really silly when you do it, by the way. Thank goodness this is a podcast and not a YouTube channel. Uh-oh. He's making a face. Dirt. 
<laughs> Dirt. Like I said, this beer is very earthy. Apparently. Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting t- exercise. So would you recommend to the listener to do that in public? I guess if you get everyone <laughs> at the table to do it, then you all look like idiots. I don't know. Mm, I'm gonna save, <laughs> I'll save that one for a home, home time only. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool exercise, though, because you will um, isolate some flavors that maybe you didn't taste before. Yeah, for sure. Okay, now am I safe to go to mouthfeel? Proceed. okay so next is mouthfeel so it's a little bit how it's described it's kind of the sensations that you feel in your mouth and especially in the aftertaste too so there's three characters here carbonation fullness and aftertaste with carbonation you'll notice this a lot like steven described his beer today as having almost no head so yeah sometimes beers will have very powerful effervescent carbonation and you'll really notice that when you're drinking it but sometimes, especially like I like a lot of stouts, a lot of times when you pour a stout, it will have a kind of like a burst of head, but then it, it dissipates almost immediately. And it's very, the beer is very still. And so you'll notice that that kind of lack or presence of carbonation. And then fullness is how, that can be kind of how thick the beer tastes or sometimes it's creamy. It can depend. It just depends on what you're dealing with. Again, with a stout, usually that <laughs> sometimes even when you pour them, if they pour like molasses, then you know you're going to be in for like a very full mouthfeel. Whereas if you're drinking uh, some of the styles we covered before, um, where they're filtering the beer, they're making it as clear as possible, it's not going to have much fullness at all it actually feel very like light and airy and then aftertaste is kind of one you can this kind of overlaps with taste because there are a lot of tastes that kind of arise in the aftertaste but i think what you're thinking about here in mouthfeel is dryness sometimes a beer can be really uh, oily is almost the way to describe it where it coats your mouth so it kind of feels like it's sticking to like the top of your mouth after you swallow. But dryness is especially one. Listen, do you think of any other aftertaste, Stephen? Besides like oily, dry, bitter. Oh, bitter. That's a good one. And then any of those t- any of those flavors, like you know, especially when they use coconut and villa uh, and vanilla, those can kind of linger too. Oh yeah, that's a really good example. Or if they add like lactose, sometimes you'll get a really creamy aftertaste. Or a sweet aftertaste from that. So yeah, mouthfeels a little bit self-explanatory, but it is. And the other thing about mouthfeels, like even though it comes after taste, it's kind of happening at the same time as taste. But sometimes it's a little bit more obvious to in the aftertaste to kind of notice the overall mouthfeel. But it kind of goes hand in hand with the taste. Yeah. And then the last one is just uh, overall. So that's what the O is. And that's just, you know, an overall picture of how you enjoyed the beer. How was it based on what style it said it was? Right. So was it true to style? Uh, did it go off the rails a little bit? Uh, does it not match up to what the style said? Remember you drank that like rye IPA or something and it was like dark? Yes. Yeah, it was like, this doesn't yeah. match what it says on the can, you know? And then... Uh, yeah, was it just well balanced and how did you enjoy it and would you drink it again? Those are the kind of things that like if you're able to see their the person's rundown of the beer and all these specific things, you know, they're describing all these great tastes and all these great malt flavors and all this stuff and they get to the end and they're like, Yeah, it wasn't that good. <laughs> it's yeah. kinda like okay, maybe just like maybe the balance didn't fit right. Like one flavor was too overwhelming. So just try to kinda of put that stuff into your you tasted all the stuff you you felt all these things and if you're reading it it sounds like oh i think that would be good and then just kind of describe if it isn't describe why you know one flavor stood out too much or you know the bad the aftertaste was bad or something like that so yeah overall this is also where you'd score and then there's a couple different ways to do this like technically like if you look on places like beer advocate they'll actually give a score for each of the categories so they'll mm-hmm. score, look, smell, taste, mouthfeel, and then the overall is like the average of the scores. Um, that I've never <laughs> got to that like level of uh, granularity. I usually just give a score overall, and then just kind of based on your own. I kind of follow like the A, B, C, D, E grade. So like if something is a B, I'll give it a four because you multiply by that by two, it's eighty percent. And generally, gotcha. what I'm yeah, and then what I'm looking for is like a and kind of what you'll see on kind of some of the scoring, like anything north of a four is probably pretty good. And then anything north of like a 4.5 is very good. 
because you're getting into like a a plus territory there so yeah but like what you said too steven is like it's kind of just like the overall like how'd you like the beer overall because sometimes it might have that amazing aroma but then it's just lacking in the taste category and then obviously you're not going to rate it high overall but you might be like wow this beer smells amazing but too bad it doesn't taste good <laughs> yep that's the beer rating system yeah so if you want to be a huge nerd next time you try a beer you gotta get out a piece of paper and you gotta write a s t m o on it and you gotta do each of the categories and then if you really want to be nerdy you individually score each of the categories one to five and then average them for the overall but that's a path even steven and i will not tread <laughs> we'll see <laughs> not yet we'll see. <laughs> steven's gonna start doing it after this episode I do actually kind of like the idea of the average because then it's going to give you like a more specific score. Because you can have right. one category that really brings it down, even though like maybe the other four are actually pretty good. Yeah, and I mean, it's true. Like if you want a world-class beer, you kind of have to do well in all four categories, all them, right? Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. I like it. All right, and just raised your nerd level by one. Nice. <laughs> all right, well, that is the show. That was our topic, appearance, smell, taste, mouthfeel, overall rating metrics. So, as always, if you want to reach out to us, and you can reach us two primary ways. We have the email, which is attenuation.contact at gmail.com. And then we have the gram that Stephen continues to hold down, and I continue to lack. The gram is my jam. Yeah. And that's attenuation.podcast. I used to, you took a really awesome picture on there the other day. It was a toppling Goliath beer. And oh, with the even, pineapple and the. Yeah. The yeah. I was impressed, Stephen. That was the credit f- to my wife there. Oh, the true talent emerges. That was the first picture I saw on our Instagram, and I was like, oh, dang, we're professional. <laughs> Stepping it up, baby. Yeah, it's like a little, uh, I don't even know what you call that, but it's like a, it was a whole scene. There yep. was a whole. Yeah, there's props. <laughs> so yeah, follow us on Instagram. It's attenuation.podcast. We have over 40 followers. It's, it's a big deal. <laughs> big deal. <laughs> so anyways, my name is Jason, and I'm joined here by my best friend since eighth grade. That's Steven. That's me. <laughs> You're like stealing my line. What was I that? know. Dang, I gotta go back to the script. Dude. We'll, we'll get it down on episode 19. And we are... <laughs> All right, let's close this out before we lose <laughs> listeners. Uh, they're long gone. Still <laughs> listening. Thank you. So we say cheers and adieu, and we'll see you for episode 19 next week. All right, cheers, buddy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation, a beer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers. <laughs>